This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage brings the mortgage process into the 21st century with a fast, easy, and completely online process. Check out Rocket Mortgage today at quickenloans.com fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Friday, October 21st, and we're talking about activist investors. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined in the studio for once by Fool.com tech specialist Evan New. Evan, how's it going? It's good to be in town. It's cool to have you here. Yeah. Uh, so every year, pretty much every year, we do a writer's conference for our Fool.com contributors. So rather than be Skyping with Evan, I have the pleasure of having him next to me in the studio. Hopefully, we'll be able to pick up on our nonverbal cues, <laughs> maybe not cut each other off like we do occasionally when we're Skyping each other in. Um, so I mentioned in the beginning, we're doing a show on activist investors, and really this started with an email from one of our listeners. Uh, earlier this week, I heard from Mark S., and he asked, recently there have been some rumors that Mentor might uh, may be looking to be acquired, and that's Mentor Graphics. Uh, the company is a major supplier of CAD tools that are used by integrated circuit designers, and as such, are a crucial supplier for all the semiconductor companies. Should I, as an investor or user, be concerned about their looking around? And so, uh, you know, prior to getting back to Mark, did a little homework just to see what some of the circumstances surrounding that sale were. And there was a Fortune article posted a few days ago, and quotes, Mentor Graphics Company, uh, a company that makes software for designing semiconductors, is working with Bank of America to explore strategic alternatives, including a potential sale, according to people familiar with the matter. Mentor has been under pressure since activist hedge fund Elliott Management Corp. reported an 8% stake in the company last month and said shares were deeply undervalued. And uh, that seemed like a good point to launch into kind of a discussion on how investors should feel when activists get involved in a company that they're invested in. Yeah, yeah. So I think before we get too far into this conversation, let's just take a look at what an activist investor is. Um, Evan, what do you got? Well, I mean, they usually are just in it for the money. <laughs> um, you know, I think. Activist investors, you know, they, they basically pick up a bunch of shares enough to get a, a pretty meaningful stake in the company to where the, to the point where they can get board seats, they can get the ear of management, they can you know actually really get in there and, and try to have some influence because they have this big stake in the company. And certainly, it's easier to do this for a smaller company because this doesn't take as much money to buy a big stake. Like you know, if you, if you want to buy ten percent of a giant company versus. Ten percent of small cap, you know, I think it's a little bit more reasonable. And in this case, mentor—I'm not too familiar with mentor specifically, but I know they're pretty small. So they're a three billion dollar company, right? Yeah. So you know, I mean, it's not too hard for an activist investor if if they think that shares are undervalued, they can pick up a pretty sizable stake for not too much money and try to make some change, make some money. <laughs> and and what are we typically talking about when we say changes? You know, they, you see the term uh, strategic alternatives thrown around a lot in those types of press releases. I mean, I think it, it usually they just want to maximize the value and that can take a couple of forms like, you know, actual changes to the business if they think there are problems with the way the company's run. Um, if they think there's problems with management, sometimes they'll try to oust management and kind of get better people in that are run the company. Other times, they might have better input on the capital structure because I think investors, you know, big investors tend to think more about, you know, like at the Fool, we always talk about how like you have to distinguish between investing in the company and the business of the company. You know, like like there's two aspects of it, and management always management is mostly focused on the business, right? Whereas investors are more focused on the investing financials, and 
you know, of course, like all companies try to look at both, but some companies aren't really good at like looking at the financially, you know, deep stuff for things like capital structure, capital allocation. You know, like so. So in, in some cases where management isn't as good at, at focusing on those things, I think activist investors can really help in that sense. Yeah, add some value, bring in some of that uh, kind of more financial expertise. Um, some of the other things that I think you might see activist investors push for, um, you know, we talked about capital allocation, something in the buybacks, dividends realm, um, maybe spinning off specific segments, trying to drive value there. But really, at its core, activist investors see a company that isn't being properly valued and think that they have a way to boost the value uh, through some sort of um, strategic action. So, you know, we talked about this a little bit, but. It, Mentor is not a company that either of us really cover all that much. Um, it's in some ways kind of a niche within a niche, um, you know, as a semiconductor supplier. So, as we talk about this company, we're going to be looking more broad stroke at their situation and less specific to their financials. Um, and you know, standard caveats here that this is not personalized financial advice for Mark, but um, because they're shopping around and it's really at the behest of activist investors. Um, I don't see that as a, a huge problem. I don't. It's not the same way that Twitter is shopping itself around, right. kind of desperate for a dancing partner. You know, this is this is something that we see, and it's fairly common with activist investors. Um, and just kind of looking at what's been going on with Mentor over the past couple of years, um, their valuation right now is a three billion dollar company, and that puts them pretty much at the height of where they've been over the last five years. So, you think about kind of. These new new shareholders with a huge stake in the company and people that may have owned shares for quite some time, um, their interests are going to be fairly aligned when it comes to evaluation if there is a sale. Um, you know, I, I think the worry with these types of situations is, um, you know, maybe you bought at highs a year and a half ago, and due to whatever poor guidance, which did happen in Mentor Graphics' uh, case, you know, they, they, there's a, bit, a big sell-off. Uh, in late 2015, but they have since recovered. Um, but you know, these activists getting in at a much lower valuation, and then being willing to take, say, a 30% premium, um, that undercuts your cost basis and doesn't let your um, thesis play out on the stock, right? You never get to break even. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you never hit that point where you know maybe you have something that is more of a three to five year horizon on. Uh, whatever you're looking to see from the business, and activist investors on the flip side might say, "They want to cash out. <laughs> we want to cash out in six months, or uh, you know, a year, or something like that." Um, and you might not really get to see that come to fruition. So that's something to kind of be mindful of. Um, I do think because that's the case here with Mentor, um, as an investor, and and my advice to Mark as something to watch would be. Um, be less mindful of what's going on on the sales side, and pay closer attention to anything management might push in terms of capital allocation or what to do with specific business units. Because um, if they are looking to hold this, that's the thing that's going to be most disruptive to uh, the thesis and the business that you know you originally had when you bought shares. Yeah, I mean, I think you know certainly any time if if an activist investor is pushing for a sale of the company. It's really hard to say like that's not aligned with my interests because <laughs> you know obviously the stock will go up, but it kind of depends on what the activist wants, right? I mean, there's lots of different things that they might have. Like their goal could be a wide range of things, but in this case, if it's just like pushing for an outright sale, you know, given that the stock's at like five-year highs, it's you know I don't think 
many investors are going to be upset about yeah. having someone on their side that's like trying to get more value out of it. Yeah, the gains might be less than what they would have been had you let the company play out over that you know that five year horizon. But um, I don't think there are going to be a lot of people who wind up uh, getting kind of kneecapped on their position because of that. Right. So in the second half of the show, we're going to talk about some more of the pros and cons. Maybe talk about a high profile example or two of some activist investors. But before we do, this episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. If you've ever bought a home, then you already know how frustrating and time-consuming getting a mortgage can be. Rocket Mortgage brings the mortgage approval process into the 21st century by taking all the complicated, time-consuming parts of applying for a mortgage out of the equation. With Rocket Mortgage, you can easily share your bank statements and pay stubs at the touch of a button, helping you get approved in minutes for a custom mortgage solution that's been tailored to your unique financial situation. Even better, with Rocket Mortgage, you can do it all on a phone or tablet. So, if you're looking to refinance your mortgage or buy a home, check out Rocket Mortgage today at quickenloans.com. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. So, Evan, back for the second half of the show, we talk about some of the pros and cons. We touched on it a little bit in the first half, but um, activist investors get kind of a bad rep. Do you want to play devil's advocate and provide some some pros here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think kind of what we touched on earlier. I think the big piece is that you know, active investors spend all day thinking about investing in the in like the deep finances of it, whereas management spends all day thinking about how to run the business operationally and like you know actually growing the business and whatever the company does, and you know, to the to the extent that you know. The investor knows more about some of the the financial aspects. It can it can really bring a lot to the table in terms of if there's something that needs to be improved. Like if you have too much debt and they're pushing for you to pay down your debt, or, you know all these different things. Where you know a company CFO generally handles those types of decisions. And depending on the CE, CFO of like how experienced they are and how cognizant they are and how and really you know because not all companies really you know th- companies have a wide range of how much they value their investors. <laughs> you know I mean a lot of companies. Really value their investors. They they really value the input. They really want to deliver returns, and other companies don't care as you know because you know, there's so many stakeholders in any company. And yeah, right. you have you have the investors, you have consumers, you yeah. have employees, in management, you management. have board. Yeah, so like you have all these people, right? And and of course, every company is different in terms of how they view and value each of these stakeholders. And I mean, then obviously there are many companies that are very bad about like, you know. Respecting their shareholders, they just kind of do what they want, or they enrich them, <clears throat> or they like enrich themselves. <laughs> you know, like there's plenty of cases of companies that don't really treat investors with a lot of respect, mm. um, just kind of generally speaking. So certainly, if you get an activist investor that gets in there, like it kind of forces them to like respect all like the shareholder base in in certain you know ways. Yeah, and and to bring it back to the idea of uh, how should shareholders feel if they see this going on in a company that they're invested in, um, I, I think the hypothetical where you're happy about an activist or investor hopping in is maybe you love the core business and what uh, the market that it reaches and, and some of the growth potential there, but you see management really mishandling things on the financial side. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and it's hard, you know, it's hard to know when that's happening, but. Um, yeah, I mean, if an activist comes in there, and usually it's, I mean, it, it, even though it can be distracting for management to have to like kind of deal with, you know, spending a lot of time with catering to whatever this person wants or needs. Um, but I mean, most of the time, I think that they they do want to be helpful, particularly from the perspective of if you're just like a public investor. Most of the time, it's I think it's probably okay. You know, like it, they're they're trying to help shareholders in general. 
yeah, it just might be that the horizon's a little different. Yeah. Uh, I think distractions kind of cues us up perfectly for discussion on some cons for activist investors. And when you say distraction, the first thing that came to mind for me was uh, Carl Icahn and Apple. And the uh, it seemed like when he had a stake in that company, every two months <laughs> we, we were seeing a new valuation, a new letter. <laughs> I, I think shares are worth nine hundred dollars. You know, I th- and it was just every day in the news. Like that's what they were talking about, and that becomes kind of a nuisance for management. It is. Um, I, th- I think in Icon's case, of course, like he's kind of a ruthless activist investor, and you know he has had a big position, and of course, big position Apple bees means like. Two to three percent of the company. Yeah, I think he was just under one percent. Yeah, it's yeah. it's single digits. You know, there's no way anyone is buying ten percent of Apple, <laughs> which is still you know tens of billions of dollars as a position. Yeah, yeah exactly. So no one, no one's got money for that. <laughs> but I think in Apple's case, like the the specific thing that he was gunning after, which was this this really big push for capital returns, because they had via buybacks, right, right, and buybacks and dividends. Um, I think that was a very valid cause because Apple had been getting criticized for years about that. Like their cash position had just grown ridiculously large and like unjustifiable. Like, like there's you can't justify having that much cash. Like, and this criticism, and again, like as a public investor, you're sitting out there and you're like, hey guys, come on, you have way too much cash, but a public investor can't do anything about it. And I think this is very much a case where, and it's not not to say that Apple doesn't know better. I think Apple's just like being stingy at the time and just like choosing. And I think I mean, you know, they had already kind of started a buyback program, but Icon came in here and was like really pushing for them to make it bigger and really meaningful. And I mean, of course, they didn't listen to exactly what he said, but they, I think he was successful in getting them to increase it. In which case, it's definitely a good thing for investors because otherwise, investors have no recourse to get Apple to start giving back all of this money that's just idling on the balance sheet, doing nothing. Earning really crappy returns, <laughs> like, and his pitch was basically, shares are kind of like criminally undervalued, and you have all this cash, you should be buying back shares. And and I think a number he threw out there was like an 150 billion dollar <laughs> share repurchase so, program. Like and you know we've seen in the last couple of years, you know I think he began his position in 2013, around then, yeah, and so. then exited in 2015. 2015, I think maybe maybe 2016. I forget exactly when he. But you know he had about a two-year holding period. During that time, you know we saw the company kind of acquiesce to that a little bit and and decide, yeah, we're going to be buying back shares at a pretty significant clip. It obviously wasn't to the extreme that he'd been hoping for. I think it got. I think the right now they've bought back about 120 billion dollars so far total. Which is a pretty crazy number in itself. Like that's a mega cap company. Yeah. <laughs> like they just bought back a mega cap company. Um, but I think, like you know, in in the example of this cash thing specifically, like having too much cash that really does affect some of your financial metrics too. Like think about, for example, return on assets. Like if you have all this cash that's just like sitting out there, and and your asset number is humongous, and you're not returning anything and, on that. Yeah, and you're not giving back to shareholders. And now you you know your net income for ratio to your assets is now smaller. <laughs> so your return on assets looks and return on equity, you know, like all these important financial metrics that investors look at to judge the performance of the company are now being artificially deflated because you have a ridiculous amount of cash and that cash is not doing anything. So, yeah. you know, like, there are a lot of like meaningful ways that this impacts things and beyond, you know, of course when they start to buy back, then you get earnings secretion, you got reducing the shares outstanding, you know. So I think that, you know, I think he did a good job in terms of, you know, really getting them to do something they needed to do that was kind of holding them back. 
And uh, anything else on the con side when it comes to activist investors? I think we covered. Yeah. <laughs> well, listeners, it sounds like that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or just want to reach out and say hey, shoot us an email at industryfocus at fool.com. You can always tweet us at MF Industry Focus. If you're looking for more of our stuff, subscribe on iTunes or check out the Fool's family of shows at fool.com slash podcasts. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. For Evan New, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening, and Fool on. Fool on.